from Yoa. This is Two Takes in a Pod. Hello and welcome. Welcome to another episode of Two Takes and a Pod. My name is Falarin. And I'm Osai. And this is our podcast where we give you two takes on our theme of the moment. Welcome, guys, to Collection 2. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. On this episode, we are talking about outrage versus compassion. Or outrage and compassion. Outrage and compassion. Yeah, we didn't want them to be in conflict with each other, but here I am. (laughs) Just, you know... You know, back to old habits. Back to old habits. Now tell me, okay, so explain why this topic was interesting to you. Um, outrage and compassion are interesting to me just because of uh, the nature of people's reactions to things, mm-hmm. especially in, I guess, uh, in the social media space where everybody feels a little bit more connected. When things happen, uh, it's typically, if it goes viral, typically there's either outrage or some sort of compassion or it's just super funny, right? Um, and when it comes to hot contentious issues you know we about race beat up about um uh sexual assault or uh discrimination against you know women any hot topic any 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 like you know problematic topic Mm -hmm. um we typically see either a wave of compassion or a wave of outrage and it's typically from the same people and you know i thought it was interesting to see if there's a journey or if there's a connection there and um i feel like there is yeah for sure um and i think we had a fun a lot of fun exploring that um our guest today uh her name is uche uh and she is the founder of the consent workshop which uh is headquartered in toronto she's also an activist i think her instagram describes her as like a revolutionary which i thought was fascinating um and she's a force man yeah I, i i think we felt she was the perfect person to to comment on outrage for sure um <laughs> and then and then, um, and then um, balancing that with some compassion right and i think uh yeah no this was great uh, you guys should you guys should pay attention to this one it was very interesting yeah yeah it was an awesome episode man and uh we basically explore all those different levels of emotions and uh you know which was able to give us the real context mm-hmm. the good the bad the ugly and uh it was very very informative and i think uh you guys would love and enjoy this exp- episode and probably learn a few things too awesome stay tuned Today is special. Um, this episode is special. We have a very special guest. Um, uh, her name is Uche. You might know her as a lot of things. We first knew you as Khaleesi. It's so funny because I was like, yeah. oh, yo, so should we get her on the show? He's like, I don't think I recognize that name. And I was Khaleesi and he goes, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's lit. <laughs> Let's make it happen. I was like, yeah, cool. I'll reach out. Um, but yeah, we have, we have Uche in the house. Say hello. Hey, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Thank you. <laughs> How are you feeling right now? Good. I'm feeling I'm excited to talk to you guys. You mm-hmm. know? We're happy you're here. Let's let's talk. Yeah. Let's chat. So what, do, what do you think when you first just saw the headline? I know we kind of talked about it before, but... Um, average versus compassion. I li- it was interesting, you know, but we already know, like, what side... Or I might surprise you guys. <laughs> you may actually, uh, you did surprise us earlier, right? Which is what we're talking about. You did surprise us because, yeah. like, I didn't think you were there yet. I thought maybe you would get there later. Yeah. Because you know, as as you 
as you get a little bit more battle worn yeah yeah you start to like i'm not i'm just like honestly it's not even we're not digressing are we it's not even that i'm worn out it's the it's the it's the criticism and the hate from the community like i said that i'm already in mm. that makes it very irritating because it's like no one prepared me for this so like and this is a lot of people who already supported me before I was already in the space officially and then now I'm in the space officially like I'm registered as a non-profit in Nigeria it's almost like okay now I'm in the game it's game on but like I'm not prepared for that like I wasn't I didn't join this for politics you know mm. I didn't I always say I don't I didn't join this by choice like I, I do what I do because like it's it's just what I do it's my life like mm. I can die for what I do I don't know about most people but I can do I can say that with all seriousness that I can die for the work that I do you mm. know so it's my entire life. It's not a choice. So just having, I can't, I don't think I have enough energy to do the work and then do that. Do that. So like, there's two things. Like, I mean, you talk about the criticism and the backlash from like the community and then yeah. also like not being prepared for this. Yeah. And what, this what, like, like, what was this? Like just, just the politics, like having to do with people trying to undermine your work, mm. the ageism and in the industry. Ooh. I think like just, you know, because I'm young and also this whole trying not to give credit where credit is due. And then also like replicating content and just not even giving back the credit. Yeah, like that's the recognize worst. the blueprint. Like it's yeah. crazy because like everything that's going on now on Nigerian Twitter, like it all started like last year, like with the whole exposing like situation. And I'm really glad that everybody's now radical and stuff, but these are things that people have already done in the past, including myself, and there are more and more things to do. Like, they need to be more concerned about also expanding the feminist conversation to trans and the LGBT community. Um, community. But I don't know what is about Niger feminists <laughs> that is making them regressive as hell. So they're not there yet. So they're not they're... there yet. So, like, I'm just trying to do my own thing and just progress in my own field. Because my work, for example, like, targets the lgbtq community mm-hmm. so like like for me that's important the queer community is important for me to offer programs for that mm-hmm. so just really doing that and just focusing on impacting on doing what we are passionate about for example the sex offenders registry we wanted to get that done we wanted to raise awareness for when we show what the final end was going to be we weren't sure whether you know anyone was going to listen but we went for it and it happened so yeah that's just the goal now work 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 <laughs> okay i got a couple of questions um so first uh the lgbt community obviously that that's important and we know that nigeria is a little bit yeah. behind for lack of a better word what are the kind of challenges you're dealing with there just trying to do that or i'm guessing try to collaborate with other people yeah we don't even over there we run school outreaches in nigeria like whether it's more here that we would try to offer um like we would try to make the content adapt to like all genders and sexualities back in nigeria we do a lot of school outreach and i wish we can offer that but i don't think we're even at that point yet mm-hmm. even when i do the brochure for the nigerian schools i always like take out the part that says anything queer lgbtq i just like exit mm-hmm. it because i don't want to seem like it's already hard to even get schools to approve us coming to teach Mm-hmm. Wow, so you, Sex like, education, you kind of have to modify yeah. your content. It's like I have to modify, well. dilute a thing to like adapt and just like 
get into the space so that's a challenge for sure i'm sorry it's something we haven't really started like proper hammering on in nigeria anyways but for us here we started doing it um just collaborating with more organizations that deal with um the queer community as well Nigeria to say Nigeria is backward is an understatement. Like there's a whole <laughs> ass law that kills people for this shit. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but we can only hope like these things change. Like it's important. All of this for me ties under like feminism. Like it's all one and the same. Getting their rights and getting women's rights as well. Right. I mean, you know, if you're if you're in my, I guess for lack of a better word, like a minority where you basically don't get your just due in Nigeria, I think everybody should be fighting for you. Wow. You know, it shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't be one person or the other. So it's messed up that, that that we still have to deal with that. And, you know, I mean, for us, it's so, I think it's so insidious that it goes into tribalism and the fact that it still exists today. Right. Um, but the other thing I want to talk about, touch on that you kind of really pointed out, um, is the sex offender registry. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but, uh, you know, can you elaborate on that? Like, well, I guess what's the idea? How, how did it come about? That kind um, of thing? in LA this year, like I, like I've been one, I've been thinking about sex offender registry for the longest time. Like, it didn't make sense that Nigeria just didn't have one period, you know. That's that's it's so um, true. Mm-hmm. During the exposing thing, a lot of the women who came out to me, I'm not say just say women. A lot of people who came out to me, majority of them had their perpetrators were people who had committed crimes in other places. You know, they were previous. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done it before. Some they were serial yeah, offenders. You know, serial offenders, exactly. In fact, people that I've been exposed because I got. I didn't expose every single name I got. People I exposed were people who had more than one person come out to me. I'm just like, yeah, you got me fucked up. So that's real. I mean, so um, it was just like if there was some something to track. Obviously, this wouldn't happen. You know, people would report. There would be some sort of track record, and we didn't have that at all. So I spoke to my team, and we thought of launching a petition to at least create some sort of awareness. And push for it, and from there we we'll work our way out into reaching out to people who could possibly like go about Be it. Involved, yeah. Yeah. So we launched about it. Launched a whole research team. We did research, and we found out that um, there's already a VAP Act. Um, that's the Violence Against Persons Act in Nigeria. Um, and in section one, subsection four, there's a part where you can actually get a sex offenders registry, but only Lagos and Ikiti has it. So we launched a petition asking for the Nigerian government to adapt it for all the states or to create a one registry. Yeah, exactly. For like the entire country. Um, We did that in March. We had like nearly 8,000 signatures. Um, I'm sorry, how many? Nearly 8,000 signatures. Wow. Um, We, what's it called? Um, We reached out to people. We were writing emails to like... um, the appropriate body, just anyone we could talk to. We're talking to people about it, promoting it. And then yeah, it, was like, it was live on Twitter and everything. Yeah. And then someone reached out to me to let me know that there was a project. Um, the EU had developed a special project called the ROLAC. European Union? Yeah. Okay. To, um, to create this. And they were working with um, the Nigerian government, the police wow. authorities, and a few other people. Um, we also have a few volunteers on the, some of the bodies that work on the project. Um, and then eventually it was launched last week, and boom. So it's for convicted, reported, and um, detained, like 
charge like completely. Um, That's a big victory, man. Yeah. It's a big step towards like taking this seriously mm-hmm. from a government standpoint. Right. It Once is. you establish structures, no matter how faulty, because mm-hmm. I know there's probably going to be issues yeah. with rolling this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an incredible like step in the right direction. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, so big ups. Well done. Yeah. Dang. Shout out to like everyone who really worked on this day. Yeah, team effort. Honestly, like <laughs> I'm glad that people care about this. And I hope it just stays that way. <laughs> we have like I mean I don't know if I should laugh at that, but like we have to keep it at the center of our focus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a continuous problem. Yeah, right? like, you know, it's not it's, it's not like it stopped, right? Like this is something that people uh, are dealing with every single day, and it's unfortunate. But like I mean, what you will continue to see events, so we just have to continue to keep talking about it, mm-hmm. right? Until you see less and less, right? And you know, we can go into what we as guys can do better. We can go into what society can do better, you know. But like at least you're on the front lines. That's a great first step in Nigeria. Like it's incredible. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So we talked about outrage and compassion a little bit earlier. Um, and like, you know, we talked about <laughs> you personally and your choices. Yeah. Right? But that's not really compassion. That's just me ignoring. <laughs> that's true. That's not really, yeah. that's not really compassion. Stupid that's people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to be ruled out, to be ignored, to be honest. Um, we can think about it from a broader perspective as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like if uh, the you know the story where we're talking about from the New York Times was basically talking about how uh, they've they've basically built outrage into a marketing like scheme, yeah. right? And it's effective now, and that's essentially how we kind of get people to respond. Now, unfortunately, it's also been a powerful tool in basically calling people out for, well, fortunately, let's just say, fortunately, it's also mm-hmm. been a powerful tool in like well, public, calling people public out. Public shaming has always been like a really powerful way to correct behavior. Yeah, but right. it, be, um, I think it became more effective when social media touched. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Because sure. like, there was no barrier. Seen it. Yeah. There's no barrier to entry. Yeah. You know? It's fast. Yeah. It spreads like wildfire and it's hard to get rid of. I mean, yeah. new juice will come up the next day, but once it's there, it's there. Once it's there, it's there. And there's Forever. that attachment. Um, but then obviously, you know, I mean, I think this is the point you're about to get to us, but obviously it's like that can be used to the detriment of like, mm. you know, that, 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 tool could be used negatively right that's true um so how i mean i guess the question for me would be how do we know when to like use outrage or how do we identify when outrage is doing is helping and when it's really doing damage i feel like outrage is necessary in places that don't have a functioning system already bingo 100 percent. um nigeria is a very good example when people ask me why do I do what I do like expose rapists because how else what else is going to happen to them who's going to stop them like what other form of justice are victims going to find in a system that doesn't have anything yeah have any recourse whatsoever for victims of sexual assault the police doesn't handle cases you have to get tried like whatsoever like it it just doesn't make sense so Obviously, I'm going to utilize what I have, which is public shaming. 
um, when we launched the petition, we used the hashtag name and shame because it was like super important to hammer that point in. Like, this is about letting people know, like, this is what this person does. So, because shame is honestly the only tool that we have in that country right now. You know, like in 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 hundred percent. Yeah, that's 100%. so accurate. In that kind of scenario, I don't even know what a compassionate response is. Like, if we're gonna. St- put them outrage versus compassion like in those cases like outrage seems to me as the only choice <laughs> like yeah what is you don't really have a compassionate response like i, I don't really see it right 100 yeah. percent. i feel like i feel like in the general scheme of things like like what you said um uche in ni- places like nigeria where there's no rule of law mm-hmm. and honestly anywhere really because here you would have said that there was a rule of law but black people didn't have rights yeah you know what i mean Over natives the- didn't have yeah. rights over now when places that have rule of law and it fails because like here you know you can report it or something can go wrong and just it doesn't work right you have the outrage machine to go to right Right. so what i was gonna say is like it's like a first aid kit to me it's it's like when you get injured or when there is a serious crime in our society like that's the first reaction Mm. right like you you basically have to raise awareness they have to realize they have to get scared the, the people who are offending have to be concerned. They can't just sit comfortably and feel like, oh, it's going to be another day. Like, then it, then what's the point? Yeah. Right? We, you need to scare them. You need to feel that force. And there was no effective way of communicating that force before social media. Like, you would have to wait to get to the newspaper. And people wouldn't know exactly how they feel about it. They'll be talking to it about it in, at work, at home, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the nature of the topic, right? But you go back... Like on social media, it's instant. Mm. There is no getting away from it, and it's done. It's done, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think the the point I was really getting at is like outrage is sometimes the first and necessary response. I don't think it's the you know the whole solution. Yeah, it it, it can't be the whole solution, right? Because there's, I mean, you described yeah. earlier, earlier to yeah. us the backlash that you get from from always being outrageous. So like, oh, not always, even yeah. that, like. Um, I mean, I'm not getting backlash when we're outrageous. I'm getting backlash because people are guilty. People just can't stand that I'm able to do what I do and still maintain some form of individuality mm. out of everything else. Like, like I can still do. I, I just, I just feel like I can still do my work without people having to make parallels to every single thing that I do. Mm. Period. Um, but in terms of your question, um, you can find or try to find compassion when you understand that perpetrators which is one thing I like about our work is that we also view this from this point that perpetrators are products of what is already there like this system that's already like tarnished like almost to say they don't know better and it's not to make an excuse but it ties me why I do what I do consent education you know I've given up on my set, my, my generation and the next, but like the younger generation, like educating them and trying to find a way to rehabilitate these kids who probably learned nonsense at home, if or anything mm-hmm. at all. Um, that to me can offer some sort of sustainable solution. So when you think about the fact that a lot of people never got consent education, a lot of people were abused themselves at a certain age and they never got any form of like anything for their trauma whatsoever you find you might see 
maybe that you have a tiny bit of compassion mm. you know and but in those cases only thing to follow up with is rehabilitation and the only way to have rehabilitation is to have a system that actually works and that actually you know tries the case like investigates like it's it's a lot of elements and a long cycle of bullshit that's really the only way you can see compassion and that's what I think I like to operate my work on like trying to see a unique perspective victim versus perpetrator you know how society decides who's a victim who's a perpetrator who like how a victim can be a perpetrator a victim can be both perpetrator can also be a victim you know it's never black or white there's a lot of thing that ties into this mm-hmm. and understanding this dynamics and will make you you see it you might understand you might see a bit of compassion it's not everything right. is not straight black and white you know everyone is not evil i learned that in my work like i'm learning that now Hi, hello guys. Uh, welcome to our second collection of Two Takes in a Pod. Um, on this one, we are doing things a little bit different and we want to know what you guys think and we want to hear about your experiences. Uh, in collection two, we have a series of episodes called Too Foreign. Um, it's based on the idea that we are too foreign for here and too foreign for home. Uh, and we want to know, when was uh, a time in your life here that you felt, nah, man, I can't do this. I don't belong here. I got to go home. Um, if you've had any one of those moments, um, you know, please record a voice note and send it to our email and um, we'll include it in one of our two foreign episodes that we've got in the collection over the next few weeks. So, um, again, simple. Send a voice note. Send it to our email at TWOtakes at gmail.com. OK, now back to the show. I'm really glad you took that position because sometimes I think it's um, it's hard for people to bring up the or to feel comfortable bringing up the oh what about the perpetrator right considering the perpetrator and I'm, I'm glad that like as part of your work as well um you know you do take a second to realize that the perpetrator is a product of this society um and apply some compassion there mm. you know what i mean i'm not like yeah i'm honestly that. i'm, I'm really that, so excited for 2020 okay. um if we get the funding we want because we want to go into the detention centers and juvenile centers here in Toronto to talk to um the boys over there, particularly young boys of Afro-diasporic background, um, just racialized young guys, um, and just trying to just have that one-on-one like conversation and talk to them and just not even not talking to them as criminals not talking to them as products of the system or property of the state but talking to them as human beings as people yeah and understanding what they know where they are and what they can learn and unlearn mm. so you know these things are very very important to me especially that we see people we offer grace Grace. people especially youths because like grown-ups adult men like y- y- y'all can do whatever you want with them but like yeah actually you mentioned that before you said you had given up on 
you're set yeah, like, generation. Not, can, I, can I ask about that? Not even like, my generation, but like, like for example, the work I do operates for youth. I, I, my work operates in youth eighteen to twenty nine. Mm-hmm. That's that's the age wait, range. Wait, that's my audience. Are we still youth? officially? Yeah, you are youth. Why not lower? By first? definition, you're youth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from thirty upwards that you're actually an adult. Like about your your youth when you're your young adult when you're eighteen to twenty. <laughs> Why not go lower than eighteen? I can go lower. No, I do go lower in Nigeria, but here mostly I focus on youth. I can I go any age really because I teach secondary schools and I go as low as primary schools in Nigeria as well. Um, But for some of the grants I applied for, that's the category that I range as the youth. So um, it's not like I've given up on them, but it's much easier to reform kids and teach kids than to teach grown as adults. Yeah, yeah. So for the adults, it would probably be like if somebody's coming out with you like, oh, I'm ignorant. I want to yeah, learn. Like, then that makes sense, right? Yeah, like that's why our workshops are very interactive because like it would help you unlearn things by yourself. Like you yeah. unravel your stupidity by yourself if anything. Mm-hmm. Like the conversations trigger thoughts, you know, it triggers critical thinking, it triggers analysis of your part, where you see things at. Mm-hmm. You know, so we haven't given up. It's just much easier. So basically, the, you, you know, you're available if somebody's ready, but you're not going to go chase people that should know better, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. But like, we'll still do our work. Like, our work still requires us to run workshops for everyone. Yes. Right. But um, we still believe in punishment. Of course. Absolutely. So, again, I rehabilitate who I can rehabilitate. Yeah. I try to understand all perspectives, victim versus perpetrator, but I still believe that people should pay for what they do, and so people just can't be saved, period. <laughs> just can't be saved. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. Keep to the like, dungeons. I mean, look at R. Kelly. R. Yeah. R. Kelly oh, can't be saved. Bro. That's not, no, no, just can't be saved. Um, okay, so we talked about compassion for the perpetrator, and I'm glad that you plugged that in. Um, Abby, you wanted to ask about the exploitation of compassion, right? Like, can yeah. can can compassion be exploited the same way outrage can? I I think it absolutely can. Remember Con- Connie 2012? Remember, remember that was a thing? Because uh, I do. I remember posting. I don't even remember how that You don't remember? It was a hoax. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, so compassion for sure can be used in the same viral capacity as outrage, yeah. right? They'll, yeah, people can manipulate you. Yeah, in the same way. I think it's less like, it's less likely that you, you're going to have individual victims of excessive compassion, right? You know, like someone isn't going to be, you know, off social media for a while because they've been doxxed by compliments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when you have excessive outrage, you might have that like individual. Um, right. Or, or people basically put themselves in situ- situations where they know somebody's going to be outraged, but then there's going to be an outpour of compassion on the other side, especially with political issues. Mm. Right. Like you, you have situations where, or oh, if I do this, um, you know, for, so for example, it is it, so messed up how, um, like, the Fred Kavanaugh case with uh, um, Dr. Ford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, like, we all had compassion for her. For her. Yeah. And, like, the fact that she had to go there and, like, speak in front of everybody and recount these yeah. things, like, that's tough. That's right? incredible, yeah. Especially dealing with the outrage on the other side. And the, uh, and the, uh, 
people on the other side feel just as passionate as as yeah. right. us and on then, the and like compassion on, side. Right. Just as flipped for mm. for for the judge, and you're looking at this situation like, how can this person feel this way? And, yeah. You know, so it, for sure, I think it, it can be. I mean, in that case, I think it's I just guess, a, yeah. Everybody kind of has a. I think now in that case, it was just evidence of the times that we are in, Mm -hmm. but I definitely think it can be, you know, it can be used. I just don't think it's a real threat though. I don't think that like we should be worried about it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about fire, right? Outrage. It's Mm -hmm. it's harder to control, right? You can't like, it can spread. I mean, we talked earlier about the nephew and and aunt suing nephew Mm -hmm. thing, right? Like, you know. People are just looking to unload. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I, I feel. Some, sometimes you just load it, and it's like this. This fucking woman is suing her nephew. Mm. You're the worst woman in the world. You piece of shit. <laughs> and that's how they feel. And then they go about their day like, "Who's so much better? I've just unloaded, mm-hmm. right?" I mean, I don't know if you can get people that excited about compliments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh my god, I love Ellen. You know, like I don't know if that's gonna pass on to the next guy in the same kind the of same contact. Yeah, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know. That's kind of like my thing um, with with outreach versus compassion in that way. But I mean, I think you get older and you're just like less energetic, right? When it comes to jumping on shit, that's how I feel now. Like anything that comes across my desk, I'm like, I gotta think about this for a second. Um, I'm trying to think about the last time I was overly like snap back at. I mean, snap. it just really depends on the issue. Some issues will catch you at a certain time of a certain day. Mm. You know, it will hit you, right? Because I've seen. Actually, you oh, have one of those that like it doesn't matter the time of day. Like, let's fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I probably shouldn't. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. I mean, you just you just like. I saw like something happen. Um, it's kind of weird to talk about. Um, so a family friend, <laughs> um, basically shared a picture of me of something that happened to her, right? And yeah, that was the last time I really felt like I want to fight. I want to do something. I have to mm-hmm. do something. I guess I can't be sitting here. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that that's, that was the the last time. Obviously, that's a real thing. Like I think that's a little. Oh, bit Oh, like more. you mean mm-hmm. physically fight? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I meant like like I'll lose the fights. Whatever. But, okay. <laughs> like, oh man, that's that's. Oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. That, I didn't realize it was gonna go. That. No, no. Yeah. Honestly, like it's just. No, that. it counts. Yeah, but but uh, but that's that's one like for me like it's just like that's what happened right. So basically, when you asked me that question, it came right into my mind. I was like, this is not great. (laughs) This is not great for like. But uh, I was was trying to like go past it, but I I can. I just like feeling how I felt before. Um, But yeah, I think that that would be it. Like anything along those lines, I typically don't care. Like I'm not really on. You know, if anything, it would be funny. If it's something that happens like and it's really funny, then I kind of get a reaction. But Outrage, I don't I don't really I just feel like Trump's president, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Buhari has a second term, like <laughs> what, what else can we do, bro? Like I'm chilling. That's funny. Do you have one of those? Do you have like an issue or a topic that doesn't matter how you're feeling, you're gonna be outraged about? Um obviously outside of your like work. <laughs> Um, maybe race, hmm. like racism, I would say. 
It can be a uh, trivial thing too. No, I know. <laughs> I know, right? It's like it's so serious. <laughs> like a lot of things piss me off. So we can't. We would be here all yeah. day. I mean, like, what's it? I just. Does it have to be? Are you saying it can be anything? Yeah, literally. Um, I'm very passionate about women being allowed to do whatever they want to do. Mm. Um, I support sex workers. Um, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Like if, as long as there is not just consent, but you are making your individual choice to roll that way. And yes, please. Um, so when conversations come up and when we talk and when like I, I go on rants about sex workers on Twitter all the time. Like I'm like, you need to have some respect. Um, oh, I'm on that issue too. Like I, I agree with that. So I, I think it's I hate homophobia or just things like that. Just you see homophobia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> horophobia. What's that? Okay, I thought I heard. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought you said homophobia. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, that's okay. no, like people who are like slut shaming. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can't stand it. You know, it's yeah. important. Yeah, that I feel we like let women do what they want to do as long as they have their own agency. So yeah, no. Um. That gets me outraged. Like just seeing anyone trying to think that women have lips rise because they decide what to do with their body just upsets me. It's bullshit. Oh, people still make that excuse. Yeah. Yeah, like Everywhere. it's no. like confidently, like that's your argument. Yeah, like sex workers are a risk and more for everything. They're more at risk for sexual assault. They're more at risk for sexual abuse. You know, they're disrespecting. Trafficked. On this topic. Um, just to try and connect the two. Do you remember when Files said, um, <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm asking because I'm sure you have opinions on this. Um, oh my God, I think I have to find the video because I don't remember exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. But he was like, they had asked him why he talks about yeah, sugar um, babies. Yeah, why he talks a lot Runs about girls hate her in his music, and he mm-hmm. said, um, he I hate ha- transactional I, sex. I hate transactional sex. He's so silly. Um, I mean that's that's cool, but that's not your business. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean, like you can feel whatever the fuck you want to feel. Like, and why does that affect somebody else's life? Yeah, these uh, these were the two reactions, like on online, right? People were feeling like, you know, why? Like, how's that? What? Um, yeah. And then people were like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. what? What exactly is transactional sex? Um, what isn't? Is another like, <laughs> like where did you decide to draw the line? Like, yeah, because um, you know everything. It all feels like a give and take at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. I I feel like that's the intersection between like outrage and mm-hmm. and your your um. I yeah, agree. Sex worker comment. Uh, yeah, there's quite a few things to be outraged about still. So it's <laughs> not like you know. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have one like mm-hmm. a a one topic that's like. I'm ready to die on this hill. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it might have to do with like the economy or something silly like that. Like, because <laughs> yeah. um, I I feel passionately about making sure people are being paid 
like enough to survive wherever you are mm-hmm. right um like if you have to work so, 16 hours of the day every day for six days of the week just so you can pay rent like something's bro. broken you know what i mean or in nigeria where like i don't know why we keep throwing it back to nigeria but like just places where there's no systems or government systems that are set up that empower you to be able to get your money mm-hmm. um like anybody who's on the side of less of government intervention in that way i'm ready to go like if i see an argument on twitter where someone's like nah the government should cut this program i'm like i'm always on you know who does that help who gets affected by that you right know? and then you find out that it's usually a poor black person or a poor brown person you're like okay <laughs> I'm ready. I see. I see what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Like obviously, we don't matter enough for you to like you know spend money, even though we are contributing to you know this society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, topics like that just send. Yeah. Me. For me, for me, it's like I don't know police brutality. There's one. <laughs> this one time where one Nigerian guy was like, oh, like I think it was like I can't remember. You know, one of these. I think Mike Brown or something. Mm-hmm. This is a while ago, but. Ferguson. This this guy was making an argument for why it makes sense for to have killed him, and he's talking like, "Oh, these black Americans, this, this, this." I'm like, "Dude, you know that? Like, I don't care how many suits you wear. Nigerians, they are going to shoot you too. You know they're going to shoot you too. Like, yeah, um, that was really the most like that that one that that one. I kind of spent like an extra like two hours (laughs) past when I was just to argue that shit. Like, are you stupid? Yeah." So you were saying Nigerians are ignorant, yeah. Especially about like racial issues. Um, I find mm-hmm. it very interesting when Nigerians in Nigeria a lot of them support Trump. It's so weird. Yeah, have opinions. Are you serious? Race. Um, so so weird. I don't understand. That's how. that's very strange. I, I, I very strange. I mean, a lot of Nigerian Republicans. Yeah, uh, like you. There's there's so many. This to this. Um, where where do I start? I can't understand the selfishness. Yeah. On that part, well, like we that, we and our dad, like oh, we make people like that. We glorify those people, Trump, people like mm-hmm. Trump, right? Showmen, we love showmen, you know, people who display wealth or um, people who talk uh, quite like proudly about themselves. We really idolize those things. So yeah, and if you don't know the details of what they're talking about, it actually just kind of sounds like it makes sense. It's when you understand that it's not feasible that <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, like no, this is. Crap! Like n- nobody who understands or has worked on this topic would have approved of him saying this. Yeah. Or some shit. Actually, Uche had mentioned that like earlier. Like we are so much obsessed with the appearance of like progress, That's or true. the appearance of change, or the appearance of gold, or the appearance of success than the actual Impact. success, the actual yeah. goal, the actual progress, the actual of those things. Um. So yeah, it makes sense that Nigerians will support Trump. Like that's uh, you know. Um. Raz behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um okay. What else do we want to cover on this? Um I wonder if there's another take on outrage or a take on compassion that I'm interested in. Is there anything that comes to your mind? Um I think just properly using both, especially outrage, you know. Sometimes it's like point of anger. Hmm. Like how, how do you uh you know, how do you how would you explain that to somebody? Like what you're doing? Like where's that line? Um that it, honestly that's that's the difficulty figuring out the line. 
like and where is it like i i cross the line a lot you know mm-hmm. so i'm not even sure if i'm the best person to act this so that means you definitely know where the line is yeah you're familiar <laughs> but i usually figure it out after you... i cross the line already oh, oh okay are you sure? <laughs> That's where the problem really begins. Um, you know, like you said, it spreads fast, and when things spread fast, you know, some people can get burned too. So you have to be very careful. And the wrong people can get. And the wrong people, yeah. like even I've had situations where I've called out people, and it was false because somebody lied to me, and I just didn't vet properly. Mm. Right. You know, so I had to switch up my mode um, and just figuring out what one was okay to post, not to post. Just things like that. Um, you just have to be very careful. So and I would say the first thing is do your due diligence. Yeah, exactly. Do your due diligence, honestly. Um, Yo, so I know it's a little bit no, no, go on. off topic, but like, can I ask about your vetting process? Um, I talk to people. Okay. Um, especially here in Canada, I tend to know a lot of people, so I'll ask. Yeah. And, and usually, when people come out to you, when someone tells you their story or something that really happened, they give you details. Like yeah. it's very, they'll give you details, yeah. so you can easily fact check, um, talk to them. But I just know. Yeah. I just believe. Yeah, you said you uh, make the, sure there's the, two people. What I vet is usually how I get the story, you know, like during the whole exposing thing, the people that were wrongly accused was one of them used an anonymous account that looked very real. So it wasn't a real account. Someone was, he had some beef, someone, someone was blackmailing for something. I just happened to be the unfortunate transport mm-hmm. of wow. blackmail. Oh, and then wow. the other guy, it was another girl who like, either like, it didn't happen or the girl told her friend, the friend told me the wrong story. I don't know, some something along those lines, you know. I made my apology deal like usually they'll come to me, they'll talk to me. Like when some of the guys reach out to me, talk to me to try to quote unquote clear their name, I listen. Mm-hmm. So no start moving mad and give you attitude. Me, I just start moving mad too. Oh them like, C the seats letters, huh? Yeah. Oh, bro. yeah I saw a couple those of those jokes. lawyers writing writing <laughs> writing I can't remember what your response was. Your response to one of them was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those no top lawyers are, uh, bro. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Have respect there. <laughs> um, yeah. So just looking at the sauce, if it's a person that's come from something, like I have no reason not to believe her, you know. But I don't do all of that exposing thing no more. To concept workshop is now a branded risk. Yeah. Um, and the concept work- workshop is doing great work. So. That's a better, yeah. uh, I, maybe not better, but that's a that's a fruitful way to like the evolution. Yeah, it's, done. Evolution. Um, evolution. There you go. Yeah, evolution. definitely. Yeah. It's the sustainable way of sustainable. one of us do. That's yeah. literally why I came up with it. Um, I wanted something to actually push what I'd already started. You know, mm-hmm. I always think I was gonna run a nonprofit at some point in my life. I just didn't think it was gonna be like this. Already. This one, right? I already started this, so it was like, okay, mm-hmm. now you have to do it. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the universe will conspire to help you. So, you know what I mean? That, so, you get it. I'm I mean, like, so go ahead. <laughs> the evolution from outrage to compassion was seamless. Though. Bro, you I know mean, what I mean? Do you see <laughs> that? Same, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's growth. You know, because like the whole mission of how, why you're doing concert workshop, how you're trying to help people, understanding the victims. I don't victims even discuss and- this part a lot on Twitter because I think people are so used to the outrage part. Mm-hmm. 
That if I ever go to trade about it, they'll probably be like. <laughs> Do you feel like because people are used to the outrage part that you are stuck in that? Yeah, like a lot of people. That's another thing that ties into why I don't even care to read not anybody since people are just gonna talk whatever they want to say anyways. Is that people have already had this one? People think they know me. One, two. People think. They have this character of me in their head. So it's really hard to get out of what what box they put me in. So even when I'm not necessarily... Like, for example, I hate how every time something rape happens on Twitter, someone DMs me like, bruh, mm. the fuck? I'm not God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not no call center or the window just be oh, random right. news article and they just send it to me. Like I had to, I've even lambasted some of my own friends for that. It's very triggering. Don't do that to me. Like I close my DMs. Like if you want to message me, tweet it. Yeah, like you're not the cop. Let's see you email me. You know. Yeah, that's tough. Seeing a lot of that information. Yeah, like the, when you said they give you so much detail, and I remember some of the stuff you share. Like yeah, it's, that's a lot. It's a lot. Like that's why I had to stop doing that because I can't do that and run the concept workshop as well. It's yeah. A lot to juggle it's a lot on your mental health you know so one has just to be very very careful um but you know i have a great team so the work you do it seems like you have a yeah i i really do have a great team we're here in ghana abuja lagos and toronto and the caribbean how many cities is that um five abuja, sorry i lost i lost svg yeah Okay. Um, and then we're going to Ottawa next year. So just awesome. in what, thirteen, fourteen months? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, January started properly of this year. Yeah, that's oh, when wow. I started my team. Like from the workshop, okay. at first yeah. it was just me, and then we had volunteers in a day. It was just me, and then up to January when I came back, I applied for funding. Fingers crossed. Then January when I got funding, I then put together a team and started. Yeah. Um. There was something about leadership that I had in mind when I was thinking about you. Um, how do I? Sorry? Was you going to ask how do I run or something? No, no, not how do you run. But I was I was just, um, I think from afar, impressed at the way you had like put together your team and that drone. Thank like, you. You're driving forward on, on the goal. It didn't just stay as, and I think that's what might make some of your, I don't want to call them haters, but some of your haters... Um, bitter it's like it didn't just stay out as some outrage shit right yeah like it evolved to a compassionate place where you have this not for profit not for profit you're not making Mm -hmm. any money like Mm -hmm. us who are like you know what i mean like that this not for profit place where um you know you're you're actually seeking to educate and to spread to i still don't understand why you hate that i don't understand why you hate that it's just on a like there's a lot of politics in a non-profit, especially in funding, which is so weird because I don't even know why these people even care because all of them. Oh, are... so this is coming from the the industry yeah, that you're this is that you're inside. hoping to work with. Yeah. So, and this is mainly oh. Nigeria. Like I oh, okay. here, they just my problem here is people just steal content. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent you some stealers, um, but. Honestly, I don't even know why it's even a thing because, again, I'm here. My HQ is here. You know, I'm more concerned about probably building From here. a base here in Canada than I am in Nigeria. I'll always do good in Nigeria. 
Does, like, as long as I do good here, I'll do good in Nigeria. Exactly. It's going to support the other. Honestly, I'm really glad to hear you say say that because I don't know. Um, maybe I just don't speak to enough people, mm-hmm. but I don't know if a lot of us are focused on like what we can build here versus like exporting yeah. stuff back. You know, um, I'm attracted to that idea as well. Like, oh, let's go back. Yeah, and I'm like, that's how I think. Nah, I'm here. Like, yeah. I want to build this here. Like this. This yeah. is for here. I'm. Still connected, but like, mm. well, let's start here. Yeah, let's like we have mm. structure. What resources are we going back yeah. to get? Like, you just you you apply for a grant last year. You've done really well. You're gonna apply for two grants this year, going into next year, larger amounts. Right. That opportunity Expanding. is not mm-hmm. gonna be given to you. Yeah, back, I, back home, I, you I, it's, I mean? so, it's very hard to work to CW Nigeria because we don't have any funding whatsoever. Mm. You know, so for example, my honorarium that I got from here, I use all that. Mm my work in Nigeria so little yeah, things yeah. like that um and that uh, converts real nice <laughs> <laughs> no the honorarium is not a lot it's just like a little it's not what you think at all but it converts nice though <laughs> no not not really it's just something so that they make it seem like you're absolutely not getting paid for nothing yeah, you know, you know? Something for the boys, yes. basically yeah. <laughs> um I was gonna say something I can't remember but yeah like everything just it kind of triggers yeah i i think i try to think dually and i've been thinking this way for a while um because nigeria is always home for me and i always want to be part of the nigerian history i want to do things to better the country you know um so just thinking of how i can like you said export those resources from points a that's being here down there just really helps expand the work and we're also in ghana and caribbean as well so just this is a very reliable hub to spread you know so that's the goal that's the vision i'm excited for 2020 hopefully we scale as much as i intend so um are you finally going to put it in your resume now um yes it's already there i just don't know what to call i just know what to myself as executive director if that's Bragging honestly, or, honestly, if guys can put CEO of X Y Z like whatever the fuck, <laughs> but I don't. Those guys that do entrepreneurship, they don't. They don't apply. Yeah, but you're a co-founder of. Yeah, I think I'm not founder. Founder, I'm founder. Oh, yeah, so I think founder kind of makes sense. I should put some more respect. I'm so sorry. Nah, yeah, I didn't. So, I didn't mean to disrespect you. No, nah, it's okay. I think founder kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, founder. Yeah, I can do founder, and I have another project, Costasi Magazine. Okay, what do you do uh, at CCI? Um, it's um, I'm marketing and branding, and it's um, owned by Tyra Barrow. She's editor in chief. Nice, um, really dope journalist. Yep, she works journalist. for CBC yeah. and Teen Vogue and Co. Um, awesome. So it's a digital platform for Black womanhood for the diaspora of Black women. So what's the mission there? Um, just provide a platform for lifestyle geared towards Black womanhood. Ooh, okay. Um, just um, exploring issues that concerns us um so i have a lot of things plans for my life (laughs) you can say a lot of things to do building and just really play my part in bettering this world for people that look like me people that will grow up to look like me people that will come out to look like me at some point i like the way you said that 
That was a good one. That was great. And she knows this one too. She knows she's like, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> Yo, well, thank you. We really appreciate you having no on the problem. show. No problem. This was a great I had conversation. A good time talking to you guys. This is dope. You know, it's good to have conversations like this. And that's the episode, guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. Um, I really enjoyed this this conversation and like the the dynamic between outrage and and compassion was was fun to explore, especially with somebody like her. Um, my take from this was really about. Uh, I know I say you know the journey a lot, but um, I think it's for me. It felt like she had moved from a place of like needing outrage to get her point across uh to now where it's like you can pick between outrage and compassion you know and even like how that is reflected in her work you know like the the way the organization has moved now where it's now like advocacy and teaching where it started off as calling people out on twitter right you know um right. there's so, a clear evolution there yeah there's an evolution there and i felt like that was that was interesting now um that doesn't mean like they haven't been you know fallouts or whatever right um, there might be hiccups along yeah, the way yeah, right yeah. Uh, but it, the journey is really what counts so like i really i really love that about our, our conversation there yeah that's a good point um i mean for me i think uh i think quite often you know when there's a principal violation um uh, yeah i just kind of made that one up uh there's a need for outrage you know people need to kind of be angry it's emotional it's painful um and it's because we all know it's wrong right that's why everybody's on the same page um so it's important that it needs to be it's like it needs to be clear to the perpetrator that what they've done is wrong whether it's intentional or not and ultimately though i feel like you know once the once that's been acknowledged once that's been communicated um like there's gonna be be there's gonna need to be some sort of compassion, right? To be able to understand the people who are committing the crimes, especially if there is an opportunity for fixing or resolving themselves. I think compassion is the aspect where, you know, not it's not necessarily saying that it should be it should be spread for everybody evenly, or we yeah. should forget about the actual victims that were hurt in this in you know in whatever this scenario is. But it's really trying to understand. Um, you know the people that you're dealing with and how to bring them closer to what they need because quite often they are you know victims of their own environment mm -hmm. you know be it you know good or bad sure. so yeah my i think my take essentially is um there's a need for outrage but uh it should be coded you know with some compassion medicine and you know? the candy exactly <laughs> i love to hear it um all right that's your show guys thanks so much for for tuning in again if you like what you've heard Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Two Takes and a Pod. That's T W O Takes and a Pod. Uh, you can also email us at that address at gmail.com, uh, where magazine is yawamag.com as well. You can check that out for some fun articles on music, culture, and the community. Yep, and our music is by Boye. You can find him on Facebook at 1705 Music. Um, you heard the jingle, it slaps. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe. <laughs> I love it. Make sure you subscribe and um, so you don't miss the next episode. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, that's Apple, that's Spotify, that's Anchor, that's YouTube. You know, we're stepping up, we're leveling it up. Leveling up. This has been Two Takes in a Pod. Thank you for listening. Peace. <laughs>